0: Well, welcome, 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 all of you out there in radio land. This is Sharon Bowers and Carly Blalock and we're here today on our conversation show, She Walks, talking about ways and strategies for women from a feminist lens, uh, an intersectional feminist lens, as a matter of fact, and we hope other people get this also, but ways to walk to freedom, whether it's freedom on your job, freedom in your personal life, freedom to be creative. I mean, how do you get there? And we model it from Sojourner Truth, who is one of the greatest feminists that ever lived. And, you know, when she got ready to leave enslavement, she just simply woke up and walked to freedom. And somebody said, oh, you ran away. She said, no, I didn't run away. I walked and so we want to encourage women all over and other people that if you're in a toxic relationship or a toxic work situation or toxic environment or just a just feeling like you're in a slump that you like soldier or truth with all of the odds against her you can walk too. so welcome to she walks Carly it's good to see you again <laughs> I know I went too. on and on but sometimes I just want to let people know why we do this show because it is important for us to be empowered and to take the authority to make our lives as women the best lives that they could be.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. And you know, today we're gonna talk, this is the second part to the conversation that we were having last week around um, toxic productivity. Um, but today we're gonna talk a little bit about invisible labor, which is a huge opportunity and area for women to walk to freedom, right? Because. Invisible labor, shocker, is done mostly by women. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, to start us off sort of with a definition for this conversation, when we talk about invisible labor, what are we talking about? We're talking about unpaid, unrecognized, unpromotable work that women do both in their private lives and in the workplace. So these might be opportunities where women volunteer, could be opportunities that, you know, or, or things women have to do in their private lives, the grocery shopping, taking care of the children, things like that. And to start us off with just a couple of statistics here women in heterosexual relationships do the majority of childcare, household chores, and household management. At work, women are asked or are 44% more likely to be asked to volunteer for unpromotable but time consuming tasks. And when asked to volunteer, men say yes only fifty-one percent of the time. Women say yes seventy-six percent of the time.
0: Oh yeah, and 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 that's not our subject for today. But I wanted to get in there when you said yes and and no. I thought about how many women ask for pay increases or ask for raises, or uh, and and men men do it all the time, and women don't. And then when women do it, it's usually met with, well, that's pretty aspirational. You know, uh, but if a man asked for it, it would be like, well, now let's talk about how we can get you that. We might not be able to get it all immediately, but we can get it a little bit, a little bit at a time. But Carly, I was looking back and I saw that uh, when we were scheduling, I saw a note that I made about this. And it was just like you said about invisible labor, but the woman who who coined this term, uh, invisible work, it was a woman named Arlene Daniels. And one of the things that she said, I think it was in a 19, 19, um, uh, 1980, somewhere along, uh, 87, somewhere. But she said, like you said, the unpaid work, but she also mentioned that it goes unnoticed, it goes unacknowledged and unregulated. And I think, you know, se- segueing from <laughs> from what we talked last week, you know, the, the fact that it is unregulated is critical.
1: Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. So, you know, and and to me that kind of brings to mind more of the personal aspect as well too because it's like at, at least in a workplace it's not perfect but you can say like well this is outside my job description now you might get pushed back from that you might get you know hassled for that for sure but at home it's just sort of assumed that women will do a lot of this labor right And one of the things there was an article that came out recently, and I don't have a copy of it in front of me, but a woman was talking about her own personal experiences uh, with food. Right. She has a family of four, a husband, two children. She has to plan all the meals, do all the grocery shopping, you know, make sure that the food that she's cooking is nutritious, that it's stuff that they're actually going to eat, make sure everyone's lunch is packed, blah, blah, blah. That that's just one aspect of her life. One aspect of the things that she has to do all the time and think about the time labor money all of that that has to go into just that one aspect of her life and that is unseen unpaid labor it's not recognized because it's like well you're you just you do the grocery shopping it's like no I have to plan meals I have to like this takes a long time I have to set aside time to do this work
0: yeah and that's that's where we're saying un un unacknowledged Uh, and then unregulated because it just goes on and on and on and on and it's almost like a fixed part in a lot of heterosexual relationships it's a fixed part of the woman's role duties and there there's no money for it (laughs) I mean there really is no money for what you do and some people say well you do it for the love and you do it for all these other kinds of reasons and those kinds of things but you know this is just this whole household chores this whole family thing like you said that's just one aspect there's so many other things that that we do and 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 you know we talked a little bit on the last show about the psychological effects and what it does to your mind but this you know not being acknowledged not being noticed not being regulated being unpaid all of those things mess with your psyche
1: yes they absolutely do and they help they devalue your relationships too, because suddenly it becomes a transaction of like, I'm doing these things for you. Right. And, you know, well, who's doing what for who, and, you know, all of that sort of thing. And there's this issue too, with, of course, a lot of this falling on women of color. Um, and we always try to talk about things through an intersectional lens. A lot of the work and the labor that women of color do is also undervalued. So even if women are being paid, they're not being paid as much um, and also invisible and unseen and unrecognized and unregulated a lot of times as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's difficult to to identify how it's happening or even mm-hmm. if it's happening at all, because some people say, well, you that's just part of the that's just part of it. That's just what you have to do. But it's only what women have to do. It's right. not generally what men have to do. Men don't have to do all those things you mentioned in the household before going out to work. Most of them, and this is really stereotypical, but most of them get up, get dressed, go to work, see you later. You know, uh, and then you still have all of those things you mentioned, the kids, school, drop off, lunch, you know, PTA, sports, pickup, all of that kind of really, really work. And it takes away from a woman's emotional bank to have to pour out, pour out, pour out, pour out. And it leaves such little time to fill up, fill up, fill up.
1: Right, absolutely. And you know, even going back to the example of like providing food, right? Emotional, of course, but also mental, like that is mentally draining to have to do that. And when you're doing that on top of a full-time job, you're exhausted and you know, We talk a lot about labor in the sense of like what you, what physical tasks you perform. And that is definitely part of that, but it's also the planning, the preparing, the thinking about everybody's, you know, okay, well, so-and-so has a doctor's appointment or so-and-so has to get this, or so-and-so has this allergy. We can't use, you know, this kind of ingredient, whatever the case may be. All of this is in women's minds all the time. Right. And there was a viral video that was going around and it was basically men were being asked when their children's birthdays were with you know how old their children were um if their children had any allergies and some of them genuinely did not know and that is because it's not they don't they don't think that it's their job to know and i know we're focusing a lot on childcare, and and but this is present in all relationships whether oh, yeah. we are children or not but according to this article as well and this article is titer- titled it's more than past time we talked about the invisible labor of women this article says um The Families and Work Institute showed that only 38% of heterosexual couples shared child care duties. In contrast, same-sex relationships, the study showed 74% of those couples shared child care duties. Wow. Wow. Wow.
0: I I remember seeing this quote in in some of the research that we were doing, and it said, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you see it, you can't unsee see it now i know that it's hard to get people to see it because it's an it's invisible quote unquote but once you've seen it it's kind of like you can never go back to not realizing the disproportionate amount of energy that a woman has to expend that gets no pay for it
1: right absolutely and you know when we talk about we talk about privilege a lot as well on on this show and that is definitely at play here because the reason that it's invisible is because if you don't ever have to think about it, you don't ever have to think about it, right? You don't have to think about what goes into dirty clothes being in the hamper and then they're clean, right? What does that process involve? I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat today. I don't have to worry about when the kid's doctor's appointments are or when the dog needs to go to the vet, right? I don't have to worry about that stuff. I don't have to worry about the house cleaning schedule. And so because I don't have to worry about those things, I don't understand what goes into the process. I don't understand the amount of labor involved. And so when we talk about that, it's, you know, a lot of the reasons that we're even having these conversations is because I genuinely think that men who benefit from these kinds of relationships genuinely do not know what goes into running a household, you know, managing children, all of that stuff.
0: Yeah, I think that's why that that whole thing, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And the hardest part is getting people to see it. And uh, I remember, you know, we talk about it now from the struggle, we talk about conscious raising. And that's one of the ways is to raise the consciousness of what actually is going on and how it's going on. And this consciousness raising, you know, it, it really lets us start to say what our struggle is, We get to describe, we get to describe it, we get to define it. No one else gets to do that but mm-hmm. us. And so we have to be about that. you know my my mantra is always about uh, uh, agency and advocacy and activism, you know, all those kinds of things. And we're the ones who have to tell about this struggle. and we have to start to paint the picture. So that people can see what invisible labor, invisible work, what does it look like? And just like you just gave a really powerful example of all the things. I mean, if you just think about what goes on in a stereotypical woman's day from the time she gets up to the time she goes to bed, which she's getting up usually earlier than everyone else. And she's going to bed later than everyone else and sandwiched in between that early rising and late uh, down are all of these things that are unpaid mm-hmm. and she's still supposed to be the star on her job
1: oh yeah <laughs> and you know we could talk about this from the work perspective as well you know if, if your boss asked you to um you know create an event there's a lot of unseen labor in that there's a lot of planning there's a lot of um execution stuff that is very easily overlooked and so it's really easy to be in a meeting and someone throw out an idea. Oh, this would be great. Yeah, it would be great. That sounds great, let's do that. But then there's the list of things that need to get done in order to make that thing happen. And a lot of times that stuff is either overlooked or underappreciated, right? You know, And it is stuff like filtering through emails, having to coordinate people's schedules, having to make sure that the meeting is held in a place that's convenient for everyone. Um, you know, and then of course we talk about like the emotional labor. If, if there needs to be a birthday party at the office, who's going to plan that nine times out of 10, it's a woman. If there, you know, if someone's pet dies and there needs to be like a sympathy card, who's the one that goes and gets that card and make sure everyone signs it and sends that out. And yeah, those seem like little things, but when that is on top of everything else you're already doing, like it adds up and Again, that stuff is not promotable stuff. It's not stuff that's going to, you can put on your resume. It's not stuff that is going to get you anything, quote unquote, accolades wise. You might get a pat on the back and a good job, but that's about all you're going to get for doing that.
0: And and you're not going to get promoted or raises that accompany it. You're just going to keep and And you know, the emotional part is, and I've been in this situation like that at work, and it feels like you're being used and abused yeah. and unnoticed.
1: Right and you know that whole piece about you know 76% of the time women say yes when asked to volunteer at work 76% of the time yeah how much of that un you know unrecognized invisible labor how much of that is that like that is a a very large number right. and when you think about that so like we're saying you know we're talking about very traditional relationship kind of dynamics here but they are very present in most relationships So when you think about it from that perspective, the man gets to go to work, he comes home, he doesn't really have to deal with a lot of the household stuff or the family obligation stuff. And he's also not volunteering to do extra things at work because 51% of the time men don't do that. Whereas women are having to deal with all of that and they're
0: volunteering their extra time at work. That's
1: untenable. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and even you know the work that we've been doing both of us neither of us do this work any longer but for a while we were doing the diversity equity inclusion work on our campus along with another person and you know women more than men are even involved in those kinds of efforts you know when you think about it you have more women who are working on diversity equity and inclusion opportunities than you do men because again it's one of those it's invisible you don't really see how you know, not being a diverse uh, workplace affects you. So women see that because we're used to juggling all that and we wanna do something about it and make it more inclusive and make it better for other people and men don't, but then everybody benefits from it.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. And you know, it's really interesting too because when you start to notice like who's volunteering for this committee, who is leading this committee, who's organizing this committee, Who is, um, you know, who's doing that work? There are a lot of women doing that work and it's it's stuff that is outside their job descriptions, but it's stuff that's important to them. And I will observe too that there are lots of men who this work is also important to them, but are they the ones that are, you know, organizing the committee and organizing the effort? Not all the time. And so we tend to invest our time and our energy because we care and because we know the work is important. But at the same time, we're already doing all of this other stuff. But if we don't do it, who's going to do it? How's it going to
0: get done? Well, and that's what happens, especially uh, for um, African-Americans and other people of color at PWIs, PWIs is a, is a predominantly white institution for those of you who are listening, and there's that other piece that is shouldered on people of color at PWIs to do the extra work that's invisible to meet with the students, to help the students, you know, uh, acclimatize to to be culturally relevant, all of that stuff, and that's unpaid. And I remember we were we were hiring a, a new person in the English department, and one of the things that I advocated for in the hiring process was not to have him do any student-focused things because that's extra labor. That's not going to be he's uh, not going to be paid for, and but the expectation is going to be there if you're black or. Uh, another person of color and you're at a predominantly white institute, you're going to do all of those cultural negotiations. And it's really unfair. That's another form of this invisible labor that we talk about.
1: Yeah. I mean, how many like hiring committees, uh, you know, well, we need to diversify this committee. Well, if you don't have a lot of Black people at your institution, who you pulling from, right?
0: Same same one over and over and over. Same one over and over and
1: all of that unpaid, unrecognized labor, right? Um, unregulated. <laughs> unregulated labor.
0: Yeah.
1: And what's interesting is, you know, this has become a more conscious conversation, I think, in the past little bit, um, past couple of years. But what's interesting is that a lot of younger women who, you know, a lot of younger women are not having children. Right. Um, we know that that is that is true. But they are still having these conversations about like, why, why am I doing all of the housework? Why am I doing this? And what's really interesting is some women have just like, you know what? I'm just going to stop doing his laundry. I'm going to do my laundry. I'm just going to stop doing his laundry (laughs) and see how long it goes before he does his
0: whole laundry. And and really doing the real negotiations because used to be you just say, well, I'm going to do it because it's not going to get done. It's going to cause some hardship in my marriage. I'm already doing it. Let me do it. But some women now are going in with real negotiations up front. You know, and and I recommend that so that it doesn't get to where it looks like it's a personal thing. But I think you have to negotiate how you spend your time because this service kind of stuff that we do, if you don't, it's kind of like a catch-22 or damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you don't do this extra service stuff, like in the work environment, if you don't do it, then you're not seen as promotable. If you do do it, then it keeps you from doing your research or doing your work and all of those kinds of things. So, you know, it's the same way in a in a you know a relationship. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you don't do it, it causes a riff in the relationship. But if you do do it, it's more taxing on you. So these kinds of invisible spaces uh, for work and labor make it really difficult to navigate. And again, the onus is on the one who's doing it to navigate, no one's ever coming and saying, oh, I see you're doing far too much work, Carly. Let me alleviate you for some of that, you know? So so the added pressure is not only are you having to do the extra service, but you're expected to do the consciousness raising so that you don't have to do it. Nobody else is on the outside doing it. No,
1: (laughs) exactly. And, And again, there's that whole emotional labor piece to that as well. Who's doing the majority of the emotional labor in the relationship, you know? Who's the one that is, you know, making sure that discussions are happening and, you know, and all of that sort of stuff. It tends to be women, right? Yeah. And and then there's, again, when we're talking about stereotypes, they come from a place. And so a lot of, you know, women are stereotyped as being overly emotional or, you know, oh, well, she's just mad, you know, she'll get over it, it's Mm -hmm. fine. And it's like, why are you invalidating her feelings? And a lot of times, What's interesting, too, is when a marriage does fail or dissolve, right, a lot of times men are like, I don't know what happened. And it's like, well, I wonder if it had something to do with the fact that you expected her to do all of this labor, emotional, physical, mental, and you didn't help her. And then when she expressed her anger and her frustration and her sadness, you invalidated her feelings. You know, it doesn't
0: like it's not rocket science, you know. Yeah, I was uh, one, once I read this thing that was talking about, it's the little things. And you mentioned some of those things, even on the job that in, that are invisible or not acknowledge un- acknowledged or unregulated. But they were talking about some things like, you know, comforting a colleague. Like Mm -hmm. you said, remembering the birthday card, soothing an ego, showing a new employee the ropes. All of these things are things that women in the workplace in particular have to do. And there's no compensation for that. The expectation is that you will do it. So it's the little things Uh, in my, in the, in the scripture, uh, in my clergy, it's, there's a scripture that we have that says it's the little foxes that spoil the vines, you know, it's the little things that add up to this toxic productivity that we talked about uh, our previous segment, or that add up to this invisible labor, that after Mm -hmm. a while, you know, your body and your mind know that you're doing this work, even if no one else does. (laughs) Oh, absolutely, yeah. And that's why I said that earlier, you
1: you know, because a lot of times when you try to like quantify all the things that you're doing, you know, Oh, well, it's not hard to just go to the store and get a sympathy card for someone. Well, no, that's not hard, but it's also one extra thing I have to do on top of everything else that I'm already doing. And so even having these conversations about here's all of the things that I'm doing can sometimes feel even more invalidating because Mm -hmm. it's like, well, why do I have to justify that this is too much? when you're not doing half of the labor that I'm doing. And that's a, that's a whole like intense conversation to have to have with another person.
0: And Carly, I know you probably see this in your role as student success. And so I'm not asking you to out student success or anything. I'm just kind of making this analogy and thinking that you could probably uh, confer with me on it. But women in academia, whether it's professors or people like you, student success, we get all the confessionals of all the students. Mm-hmm. The students will bypass men In a particular role and come to us Mm -hmm. and share with us so that takes our time or it's more emotional kind of stuff we've got to try to be a problem solver we've got to do all of this and there are some men who don't have to do that in 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 the academic environment but women more than men i believe would be the recipients of the woe is me or i'm in trouble and i know that's particular your job is to make sure that students are successful but even when not I think women professors and other staff get get those confessionals.
1: I think that that is true, and you know the nature of my job is to hold space for students and help students problem solve, and you know sometimes things do get emotional, and that's part of my job is to hold space for that and, and help that student through that. But it is also still emotional for me, and you know I I am performing that emotional labor piece, and that again is not. It's not unrecognized, but it doesn't say like in my job description, perform emotional labor. Right. (laughs) Like, yeah, it, you know, so much I think of what we think about as work is focused on the tangible pieces of what we do. We produce this thing. Right. We help students problem solve, whatever. But we don't really think about, oh my gosh, but you know, I had a student break down in my office today and that was extremely hard. Or a student shares something with me that's very traumatic or you know, whatever the case may be. Well, that's emotional labor that you're now performing. And is that listed on your job description? Is that recognized as part of your role? And I'm lucky to work for a team that definitely does recognize that, but it's, you know, it's definitely not like in writing somewhere. Like, I can't put that on my resume that I'm good at emotional labor.
0: You know I mean? Right, right, right. Well, and even if you did, a lot of people wouldn't know what it was or you didn't yeah. have to go further and raise a whole new level of consciousness <laughs> to, to be able to explain this is what I mean by that. Because for some people, that's so foreign. You know, they, right. they're they not even thinking about that. Yeah. Um, I know this is a little off subject, but uh, I read this article about how we can fight subtle sexisms in the office and i think like this mm-hmm. is one this is one of the ones that i'm talking about right now is having to be the counselor or the confessional person for students on campus and uh, and women in general have to be and, and uh, don't be a female pastor lord a oh, lot of our time is taken up with people can i talk to you pastor can i talk to you pastor and if it's a male pastor they bypass that they don't talk to it so so a part of that but those whole the, uh, it was an article about the um It it kind of ties into this about, uh, fighting sexism in the office. And it was talking about, uh, things like they they were terms, I know we got to go, but there were terms like mansplaining, you know, people don't, don't know what that is. or he peeding. I thought that was really, (laughs) I thought that was really funny. And then the other was, uh, man interpreting man interpreting you know <laughs> so we we were familiar with man with the you know with uh yeah. mansplaining but when i saw he peating and man interpreting i thought this has got to be this has got to be a great you know article and it really was and i'm telling that now because those are the kinds of things that also add to this mental space for women who have to be constantly working and translating all this stuff, so it doesn't look like they're angry. So it doesn't look like you know that that um, that they're at fault for this. That's the extra work too. That's mm-hmm. unpaid Un- doing all these translations. <laughs> yeah, you know it, it's unpaid labor. So I just thought that was cute, Carly. I wanted to share that with you and the audience because I'd never heard of I'd heard of mansplaining, but I had never heard of he peeding or man interrupting. You know, so. Um,
1: I love anyway. it.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we see that in the workplace and, uh, you know, it, it, it's affecting women and we're the ones that have to try to still work in spite of and, and around that. And it, it, when we talk about that conscious raising, consciousness raising, these are the kinds of things that we have to bring to people's attention that make it easier for us in the workplace. But, yeah. but again, that's additional labor that's invisible. That's, uh, you know, that's unacknowledged, uh, you know, unregulated, and all those un things that we were talking about. So Absolutely. maybe we could talk about that one time, Carly. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I think that's excellent. You know, and a lot of what we've we've talked about today too, it does impact more than just you know women or um, you know gender nonconforming people. It, you know, some men do perform em- emotional labor or unseen labor as well but the amount of times that it is just automatically assumed that a woman is going to step into that role is like unconscionable. It's, it's all the time and it happens at home it happens at workplaces. It happens in our families. And so again, kind of like what we talked about last week, you know, really setting boundaries around your time, setting boundaries around your energy, talking, having conversations with your partner about, you know, the amount of labor that you're doing all of those things can help sort of move us in a better direction. And you know maybe we can explore that a little bit in the future as well. But we thank you all so much for being with us today. Um, this was an excellent conversation. I learned a lot I hope you all did as well. Um, if you ever wanna send us any topic ideas, feel free to do so. And we will see
0: you all again next week. All right, thank you. Bye everybody. Pass of victory, we shall walk.